How many of you have email? Yeah, I thought so. How many of you receive all sorts of cutesy little emails that bring a tear to your eye and at the end they say, if you don't pass this on to 27 people in 30 seconds, the fleas of 10,000 camels are going to infest your armpits. How many of you get those? All right. Okay, I get those all the time. Usually I just hit the delete button. But occasionally... Uh, something sent to me that, that kind of catches my attention and, and the Lord kind of uses it to stop me and, and think. Uh, my brother is unsaved and he sends me, he, liked, he knows I like religious stuff, so he sends me this stuff. He sent me an email one time and, and it really caused me to stop and think. And I'd like to use it just to kind of introduce our, our message tonight. Uh, I've, I've made a few little changes to it, but here's, here's what he sent. He says, the email says, the next time you feel like God can't use you, just remember, Noah got drunk, Abraham was too old, Jacob was a deceiver, Leah was physically unattractive, Joseph was spoiled by his father and, father and hated by his brothers, Moses had an anger management problem, Gideon was afraid, Rahab was a prostitute, David was an outlaw, Elijah was suicidal, Jonah was racist, Ruth was a foreigner and a pagan, Job went bankrupt, Hosea's wife was unfaithful, Legion was a multiple schizophrenic, Peter was an excessive impulsive, Thomas was a pessimist, Simon the Zealot was a renegade, Matthew was a tax collector, the Samaritan woman was a multiple divorcee, Zacchaeus was vertically impaired, Paul had ongoing physical problems, and Lazarus was dead. So, what's your excuse for not serving the Lord? You know, as I read that, it just kind of hit me right between the eyes. You know, we kind of laugh and we say, yeah, that, those things are kind of amusing. But it really boils down to the fact that God delights... And God brings glory to himself by using some of the most likely characters, including you and me. Uh, and this morning, as, as we talk about um, this particular character I'm going to mention, uh, I want you to ask yourself, we're, 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 this, is, this is missions emphasis weekend. Uh, and, and you can apply it to where, wherever you are. Uh, you can apply it to yourself where you're here, this part of, part of this group of, of believers or you can also extend your thinking a little bit farther and thinking, how would God use me in the area of world evangelism, uh, in world missions? Uh, and I'd like for you to just make sure that you cover both, both areas because sometimes uh, we tend to be so, uh, we, we tend to look so far beyond the practical that we fail to be any use here. Uh, and sometimes we tend to be so focused on where we are here that we fail to look beyond. And I'd like to challenge you to, to think about both. And as you do that, I'd like for you to open your Bibles to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. Now, I'm sure you already know this. Uh, 2 Timothy is called Paul's swan song. Uh, Paul was in prison for the last time. Uh, I don't know if the Lord revealed to him or whether he just kind of got, uh, got the flavor in the wind or whatever it was. Uh, but I knew that Paul knew that his time was near. Uh, and Paul wanted to write one more letter, uh, and he, he chose to write this letter to a young fellow by the name of Timothy. Uh, and, you know, when you think about it, 
you think about, listen, if, if, if I knew that I just had a short time to live on this earth, who would I want to contact? Who would, who would I want my last words to go to? Uh, and Paul chose this young fellow by the name of Timothy. We would call him a missionary uh, because Timothy traveled with, with Paul on his second and third missionary journeys. Um, and we know that Paul had great affection for Timothy. Uh, he's called our brother. Timothy's called my work fellow. Paul calls him my dearly beloved son. Uh, there's some that believe that Paul actually led Timothy to the Lord. We don't know exactly. Uh, he's called my son in the faith. So we know that Paul had great affection for Timothy. But we also know that Timothy was given some of the most difficult tasks you could ever imagine. Uh, as I said earlier, Timothy traveled with Paul on his second and third missionary journeys. Uh, Paul, if you, if you want to keep your finger there in 2 Timothy and turn back to Acts chapter 16, you can get a little bit of a picture here in Acts chapter 16. And in verse 1 it says, Then came he to Derby, talking about Paul, and, and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain woman who was a Jewess and believed, but his father was a Greek. Timothy was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. So when Paul came along, he, he recognized Timothy and said, Hey, Timothy, you want to come along on our, on our missionary journey? Uh, and Timothy agreed to that and he traveled along. But it doesn't take long for us to realize that Timothy was going to be the man on the spot. And I, I just want to draw your attention to this, uh, just kind of as an introduction to what I really want to talk about. <clears throat> Timothy was given some of the most difficult jobs. Uh, in um, Acts chapter 17, we're told that Timothy was left in Berea to clean up the mess that Paul had left behind. You say, wait a minute, that doesn't sound very right. But it's true, isn't it? Uh, you think about the whole scenario. Uh, Paul went to Thessalonica. He preached three Sabbath days. He was there less than a month. And of course, wherever Paul went, what happened? He faced oppositions. The Jews, the Jews always got angry with Paul. Usually he started out in the synagogue, and they threw him out of the synagogue, and he went and preached in the marketplace. And then oftentimes what happened is the Jews would follow him to the marketplace, create a riot, and drive him out of town. That's exactly what happened in Thessalonica. Uh, Paul was driven out of Thessalonica, and, and Paul said, okay, well, let's go to Berea. Uh, so he went to Berea and started preaching the gospel, and what happened? The Jews in Thessalonica found out that he had gone to Berea, so they followed him to Berea, created problems, and, Paul, and, and chased him out of Berea, and he had to go on to Athens. And when Paul went to Athens, Paul said, listen, Timothy, I want you and Silas to stay behind and look after what we started in Berea. How'd you like to work with a guy like that? How'd you like to have a team ministry like that? that? You know, your partner's always starting a riot somewhere and he says, oh, by the way, I'm moving on. You take care of the mess. But you know, time after time after time, and I don't want to say it's Paul's mess. I think, I think Timothy was just recognized as one of those reliable men that Paul could always count on. Um, we find out that after he takes care of the mess in Berea and he catches up with Paul, we find out in Acts chapter 19 that Timothy later was sent back to Macedonia, back to Thessalonica, to really get the church established. Now remember, in Thessalonica, Paul was only there three weeks. Well, three Sabbath days, less than a month, we'll say. All right? So Paul went in and he basically just, he gave them the basics. 
All right? They drove him out of town. And then, then Paul said, now, Timothy, in Acts chapter 19, he said, now, Timothy, I want you to go back and I want you to get these folks really sorted out. I want you to get them rooted and grounded. So Timothy went back to Thessalonica. And if you take time to read 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, you'll find out what kind of a job that Timothy did. In 1 and 2 Thessalonians, you'll find some of the deep theology. Now, remember, Paul was only there for three Sabbath days. All right? So Paul didn't have a lot of time. Timothy went back, and Timothy was the one who got these guys rooted and grounded. He talks about the triunity of the Godhead. He talks about the Holy Spirit. He talks about the second advent of Christ. He talks about sanctification. He talks about the conduct of the believer. So this is a testimony of the good job that Timothy did when he was sent back to Thessalonica. But we also find out that... that uh, Thessalonica was not the only church that Timothy was sent to. In 1 Corinthians, we find that Timothy was sent back to Corinth to take care of a carnal church. It was Timothy that went back, and, and it was Timothy that had to minister to the Corinthians who were so caught up in selfishness, they'd become carnal. And it was, it was um, every man for himself in Corinth. And it was Paul that sent Timothy back. It was Timothy that was sent back to Philippi. Remember that one? Paul said, hey, Timothy, we've got a little problem in Philippi. I'd like for you to go back and sort it out. Remember what the problem was? There were two women in the church, Yodia and Sinchichi, and they were having a bit of a battle. And Paul said, Timothy, I want you to go back to Philippi. I want you to get those women sorted out. And Timothy said... Couldn't I just go to Rome and feed the lions? I'd be, I'd be happy to do that. Don't send me to Philippi. You mean that's not in your version of the Bible? I'm sorry. I... Timothy handled it. It was Timothy that was sent to... to uh, I'm sorry, it was Timothy that was sent to Ephesus to correct some false teaching. There were some men who came in and started teaching him all sorts of weird things. Paul said, listen, Timothy, we've got a problem in Ephesus. And Timothy said, I know, I know. You want me to go to Ephesus and get them sorted out. But do you see the pattern here? Here is a young man that was so thoroughly sold out to Jesus Christ. He took on some of the hardest jobs that Paul could dish out. He did it with joy. He did it with faithfulness. He did it without arguing. He did it without moaning. And he just got the job done. Now, I said all that just to introduce really what I want to talk about for the last couple minutes. Uh, and, and I think this is one of the areas that, as, as a believer, I struggle with. You know, when, sometimes when you read about Bible characters, you sort of think, oh, yeah, that's easy for them. I mean, you know, I mean, he rubbed elbows with the Apostle Paul. I mean, hey, that's got to count for something. I mean, these guys are spiritual giants, Right. I mean, you know, these guys walked with the Lord and, and these guys, I mean, they had a relationship with the Lord was just like, you know, they're not like regular people like us. One of the things I want to just mention to you, and I think we would do Timothy a great injustice if we didn't mention these things, is I would like just to spend the last couple of minutes talking about some of the obstacles that Timothy had to overcome in order to be this faithful helper of the Apostle Paul. Uh, you're in Acts chapter 16. I'd like for you just to read, and we're just going to go down through them, and we're going to list them one by one. And I want you to notice in Acts chapter 16, verse 1, 
the first problem that Timothy had to overcome. Look in verse 1. Then came he to Derbe and to Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain woman who was a Jewess, excuse me, and believed, but his father was a Greek. What's the problem there? It's okay. I'm not a real preacher. When I ask, when I ask a question, you can answer me. I, I really won't be upset. I mean, it just, I'm not really a preacher. I just sort of get up in the pulpit. What was the problem in Acts chapter 16, verse 1? I'm sorry? That's the second problem. What's the first problem? His father's Greek and his mother is a Jew. Uh-oh. We got mixed blood here. We've got a half-caste. We've got a fellow here who, who's, who's half Jew and he's half Greek. Oh, no. We got a problem. Then the second part is, now, we don't really know what his father's spiritual condition is, but because he was Greek and because it's not specifically mentioned, we pretty much assume that his father was not a believer, and because of the Greek, uh, the Greek influence, he probably was a pagan. So here's the second problem, is Timothy has a believing mother and grandmother, but he has a father who is an unbeliever. <gasps> Have you ever dealt with somebody who says, it's not my fault because my daddy? You ever talked to anybody like that? You know, you don't understand. You know, I'm, I'm not a strong Christian because my daddy didn't give me the spiritual influences I need. He didn't have family devotions with us and he didn't pray with us. And that's the reason that I can't be a strong Christian. You ever hear anything like that? Maybe you've heard something like this. I can't serve God because I never knew my daddy. My daddy left us when we were two years old. My daddy was a drunk. My daddy was a no account. My daddy abused us when we were children. My daddy hated me. You ever hear anybody say that? Folks, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to minimize those things. Those things are very real and those things hurt deeply. I understand that but it's still not an excuse for you not to love the Lord. Amen. It's not an excuse for you not to serve the Lord. My daddy was an alcoholic. My daddy would come home from work and be so drunk. I remember one time, uh, my daddy was so drunk when he came home from work, he fell out of the car and laid in the snowdrift, and my little brother had to come and drag him in so he didn't freeze to death. And that's the reason I can't serve God in New Zealand. You see? Timothy had a problem. His daddy wasn't a believer. If you keep your fingers in Acts chapter 16, flip back again to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1. You'll find the third problem, 2 Timothy chapter 1. Look in verse 5. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 5. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. The faith that is in thee. You pick up to the third problem? What's the third problem here? I don't see a problem there. You pick up the third problem? I can see, the, I can see your brains working. I can, I, can, I can just see it all turning. I'll just say this. Oftentimes, as I talk to people, particularly younger people, 
they say, Mr. Frank, I don't have a fantastic testimony. You know, uh, my parents were believers, and, you know, and, I, and I grew up in the gospel. We went to church all the time, and I got saved as a child. be honest with you, I can't really remember exactly when I got saved, uh, but we've all, I've always known the gospel, and I've always believed in Christ. I've always, I've always regarded him as my Savior. You know, I really don't have a very good testimony. Have you ever been in a meeting you know, where you get this guy who stands up there, you know, he's six foot six, weighs 300 pounds, tattoos all over his body, says, yeah, I was really bad hombre. I used to mainline sweet tea, you know, and I killed 47 people with a roadkill possum. And then they sent me to the big house. And then I was gloriously saved. And everybody goes, ooh, wow, wow. God can save somebody like that. Why is it any more fantastic for God to save a rat bag like that than to save a rat bag like you? You're both sinners. You're both dying. You're both condemned to hell. Just the fact that you grew up in a Christian home doesn't mean that you're any less in need of salvation. Folks, let me me just encourage you. If you're here today... And you have that testimony. I grew up in a Christian home. I've always known the gospel. I've always understood that, that Jesus Christ was God. I always understood that I needed him as my savior. That I didn't go through all. My encouragement to you is to praise God. You don't have to deal with all that muck. You don't have to carry all that baggage. You don't have to undo all those life habits you developed as a young person. You can just get on with serving Christ. Don't ever be embarrassed about saying, I grew up in a Christian home. I was saved at an early age. Praise God I can serve him now. I was saved when I was 17 years old. I still carry baggage from my early teen years. There are still times I'll be in my study and I'll be preparing for a sermon and a thought will come to my head of something that I did or something that I was involved in as an early teenager and I have to stop and I have to say, Lord, forgive me for going back to that. If you grew up in a Christian home, praise God you don't have to carry that baggage around. Get on with serving the Lord. Number four. Again, let me just flip you, have you flip back to Acts chapter 16. I'm sorry to have you flip back and forth. That's just one way for me to keep you awake. <laughs> Acts chapter 16. Look at verse 3. We'll, we'll back up to verse 2. Timothy was well reported of uh, by the brethren that were in Lystra and Iconium. Him would Paul have to go forth with him. Good plan. And took and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those quarters, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Uh oh. What's the problem? What's the problem? Nobody wants to say it. He wasn't circumcised. Now, for those of you who don't know what that means, I'll let Pastor Van explain that later. Love you, brother. <laughs> Folks, I, I don't know if your minds work like this, but as I, as I read Bible stories, I, I, I have these, these pictures in my mind of how this works. 
I mean, can, and, and I don't know that this really worked. This is, this is a Charlie Frank version or a Charlie Frank paraphrase, so take it for what it's worth. You know, I, I can imagine Paul blowing into town, you know, and he finds this young fella and, you know, and, you know gets a good report from him and he comes up alongside Timothy and he says, you know, Timothy, you know, you've got a good report from the fellas. How would you like to go along with us on the missionary journey? And young Timothy's saying, yeah, Paul, great. Yeah, good stuff, good stuff. And, and, and Paul says, now, Timothy, hang on a second here. Now, if you're going to go with us, there are some things you need to understand. Yeah, Paul, no problem. Yep, I'm okay, I'm okay. Yep, yep, t- just tell me. I'm, I'm with you, Paul. He says, now, now, Timothy, when we go, we're going to be ministering to Greek people. Hey, I'm okay with Greek people. No, my daddy's a Greek, no problem. Got, got the Greeks covered, no problem. He says, now, Timothy... When we go, we're going to be ministering to Jewish people. Yep, I'm good with Jews, no problem. My mama's a Jew, got it covered, no problem. Right with you, Paul, no problem. Now, Timothy, you know, the Jews have some problems with people who aren't circumcised. Yep, I'm okay with, I'm, say what? (laughs) Timothy, you need to be circumcised getting kind of personal aren't you you're standing on my personal rights who are you to tell me that i need to be circumcised god loves me just the way i am have you ever heard that one god loves you just the way you are but he loves you too much to let you stay that way and if you are going to be effective in serving god there are times when you're going to have to say my personal rights mean nothing I surrender all for Jesus Christ. You know, it's it's very interesting because some of the most profound truths of Scripture are just kind of blown by in just a word or two. You know, it says, Him would Paul have to be circumcised? Move on. This is a a momentous event for a young man who's going into the ministry. You know what I find so fantastic about that? We don't find any arguing. We don't find any excusing. We don't find any rationalizing. We don't find any trying to hedge about it. It's just done. And if you can go back to our little scenario, you know, Paul puts his arm around Timothy and says, Now, Timothy, if you're going to go with us, you're going to have to be uh, circumcised. Now, in my mind's eye, I kind of look at young Timothy and he just sort of stops and he thinks... Okay, when can we do it? I love it here in the South. I love this phrase, get her done. I love it. I love it. Isn't that what it's all about? You know, I can see Timothy. Now, Timothy never was from the South. We, we understand that. He, he, he never liked grits. We know that from Scripture. That's another Char- Charlie Frank paraphrase. But, you know, Paul's there with and he says, Timothy, you need to be circumcised. Okay, let's get her done. Just give me a couple days to heal up before we move on. Don't you love it? Here was a young man who was willing to say, whatever it takes, I'm willing. We'll move on uh, because we need to stay with, um, with our time limits. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 23, turn back there if you will. We'll find the second thing. I'm not the second thing. We'll find the next thing. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 23. 
It says, Paul says, drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thy frequent infirmities. You know, folks, if Timothy were to go to most mission agencies today and apply to be an active missionary, he'd be denied. He'd say, man, you're a mess. You've got all sorts of problems. We can't use you. Maybe if you go home to your home church, they can find a Sunday school class or something that you can sit in on, but we can't use you. Here's a young man. What does Paul say? Thy frequent infirmities. Here was a young lad that was sick. He had stomach problems. Um, my, personal, my personal belief is that Timothy was a rather timid character. Uh, so, you know, I think this just kind of churned with him. And to be in a leadership position dealing with Ephesus and Corinth and Philippi, man, this, this must have ate this young fella up. And Paul's saying, listen, just take a little wine for your stomach's sake and thy frequent infirmities. You know, folks, as I, as I talk with people, and I do enjoy talking with people. I have different ones saying, Oh, Charlie, I would love to be a missionary, but... You ever hear that? Maybe you don't hear it. Maybe they don't tell you that. I would be a missionary, but my health isn't that good. Folks, do you realize that the last 18 years of Amy Carmichael's life were spent in bed? The last 18 years of Amy Carmichael's life, she was bedfast. She had to depend totally on someone else to take care of her. And yet it's those 18 years that Amy Carmichael says were the most valuable, the most productive in her whole missionary career. She was too sick to get out of bed. And yet those were the times when God gave her the opportunity to pray and to write and to encourage people. And she said they were the most productive times of her life. I can't serve God. My health isn't good enough. And folks, I'm not trying to belittle health problems. I know that some of you suffer some very severe health problems. I'm not trying to belittle that at all. But I am saying that bad health is not an excuse not to love God and not to serve God. Let me just... Uh, have you turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4 and we'll see the next one. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Look in verse 12. Paul's writing to Timothy and he says, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Timothy had a real problem and he really could do nothing about it. He was a young man. And he would go into these situations and he'd say, okay, guys, I'm sent here by the Apostle Paul. We need to get these things sorted out. And these people would look at him and say, what's your problem? You're just a young kid. How are you going to get us sorted out? We don't need to listen to you. And because I believe of Timothy's nature, Timothy would say, oh, yeah, um, well, yeah, we really do need to get this sorted out. And I believe this worked on Timothy. He was too young. Now, folks, as we talk about these things, you can fill in the blank. I would serve God, but I'm too young or I'm too old. You can fill in the blank. I can't serve God because I've got too many children. 
I've, I've talked to people who say that, you know, oh, I've got a big family. I couldn't possibly serve the Lord on the mission field. Then I've talked to other young couples. They say, oh, well, we can't serve the Lord because we have no experience with children. It's just my wife and I. We can't serve God. Too young, too old, too many children, no children at all. I'm not married. Um, I have a big family. I have a small family. I'm too busy. I'm too sick. I don't have enough experience. I have too much experience. Talked to a guy one time. He says, well, you couldn't honestly expect me to go to the mission field. I'm a professional. I went to school for so many years to get my degree so that I could practice in the profession. You don't expect me to give that up to go to the mission field, do you? You know what he was saying? I'm too good to serve on the mission field. I mean, I'm the choice. I don't know if any of you are familiar with the testimony of Jim Elliott. When Jim Elliott graduated from Bible college, went back to his home church, his pastor actually told him, Jim, don't waste your talents and your abilities on the heathen. Stay here where you can do some good. I believe that pastor is going to have to give an account for that. I'm too old, I'm too young, I'm too sick, I'm too healthy, I'm too experienced, I'm too inexperienced, I don't have any talents, I have too many talents. You can fill in the blank with anything you want. You can make any excuse that you want to make. I would serve God, but dot, 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 fill in the blank. And folks, you can get away with it. I mean, really, you can uh, I'm not going to challenge you and say, that's a load of rubbish. Get right with God. I'm not going to do that. I've had too many people take a swing at me for saying things like that. I'm not going to do it anymore. But folks, let me just finish with this. Please understand, I'm not trying to get into your face. What I am trying to do is I'm trying to encourage you to think beyond where you are. It's estimated that in the next 10 years, the United States is going to lose 80% of its career missionary force. Why? Because we're getting older, we're going to be retiring, we're getting sick, we have to come home from the field, and we don't have people to replace us. This is a missions conference. Let me just finish by saying this. God may not be calling you to the mission field. And if God's not calling you, I don't want you in New Zealand. If God's not called you, you'll be a hindrance to the ministry. But I can tell you this. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. My challenge to you this morning is, what is that plan or purpose? What are you doing to find out about it? And what are you doing to fulfill it? No more excuses. Just get her done. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you for this choice young man by the name of Timothy, who loved you enough to serve you, to set aside all the excuses and just faithfully, diligently serve you, even in difficult circumstances. Lord, I pray that you would help each of us to examine our hearts and our lives before you, that we might do the same. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.